How's this? Need to go up? Okay. That better? Okay, thank you. If you look in your Bibles with me this morning to Matthew chapter 1. going to be looking together at a lot of scriptures this morning, so get ready for a marathon of turning. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be reading verse 1. The Word of God, the book of the genealogy of Jesus, of Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. Pray with me if you would, please. Oh, Father in heaven, we pray as we bow our knees before you this morning in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, that according to the riches of the glories of Christ, that you might grant us, O God, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in our inner man. We pray that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And that we would be rooted and grounded in love. And that we might, by your grace working in us, by the enlightening powers of your Holy Spirit, have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. And we pray this in the name of Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. May glory be Yours this day, Lord Jesus. May You grant, Holy Spirit, that He be lifted up in the hearts of every person that's seated in this place this day, and everyone that might hear my voice remotely, that You would be glorified, Father. And Holy Spirit, I pray that You would grant me the unction that Mark has asked for this morning, that I might speak the truth and the truth only, that You would grant Your working in my heart, in the hearts of those here, that our hearts, the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. And that our minds would be renewed to your word that causes us to be transformed from glory to glory, from faith to faith. That Jesus might be lifted up. It's in his name that I pray. Amen and amen. <clears throat> if you look at... Um, Got my notes upside down. You just pardon me for a moment. If you look at this first verse of the book of Matthew, the generations of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and we find 
Much more of His humanity revealed here. Abraham the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and so on. David the father of Solomon, and Joseph the husband of Mary to whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. You look at that, and you look at that, and you contrast that, or think about the, what's given to us there in by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, and contrast it with the first verse of John's Gospel, and there's a striking contrast. If you think about that, it's very starkly contrasting. When you think about this human pedigree of the Son, and it reads very strangely when it's placed side by side with, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. But even though it speaks strangely to our understanding, this shows us ever more clearly the true person of Him, the One who was the Word made flesh. God manifests in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And so, as we read in the creed this morning, true and very God, yet also true and very man. And we take Matthew's gospel, we take his history, we take it literally. And so, then we take John's history literally. If we allegorize John's first chapter, then we've got to allegorize Matthew's. If John doesn't mean that Jesus is the Christ and truly and very God, Matthew then doesn't mean that he was a true and very man. The divine side of Christ Jesus is as strongly shown in John's gospel as a human side in Matthew. And so the one that we call Lord and Master and King and Savior, the one we speak of as Redeemer, is He whose person is the extreme of all being united. All Godhead and all creaturehood are in Him. Colossians chapter 2 verse 19. Look at that with me. Colossians 2.19. You can probably quote it. But it'll do us good to look at it. You there? Surely you are. <laughs> two nine, I'm sorry, it wasn't two nineteen. See to it in verse eight that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The whole fullness of deity dwells in Him bodily. The fullness of the finite 
and the fullness of the infinite. All the perfection and all the excellence of the created and the uncreated, that which is very, very good, dwells in Christ Jesus our Lord. I found a note in the Reformation Study Bible that I think is very helpful for us here. And they take Colossians chapter 1, if you're still there, look at verses 15 through 18 with me. And then they move to Hebrews chapter, chapter 1. And they reveal to us the deity and the humanity of Christ in its infinite and finite perfection. He is the image, Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, of the body, of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might have preeminence. If you'll move over from there to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3. And then we're going to look at verse 6. And then we're going to read verses 8 through 12. Verses 1 through 3 in Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Then verse 6, And again, When he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Then in verse 8, But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God. Of the throne, of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. This reveals the perfection, the perfection of Christ's high priesthood, declaring the deity and unique dignity of the Son of God. Then 
we have by the author of the Hebrews the celebration of chapter two in chapter two of Christ's full humanity. In chapter two, we find the conjunction of an endless, unfailing, divine life with a full human experience of temptation and suffering. Now, you can go to Hebrews chapter two and find that. Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 12, indeed all through the Scriptures. But I'm going to read verses 14 through 17 to you. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers, made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. <clears throat> we are forbidden. Colossians chapter 2, 18. Revelations chapter 22. We are forbidden to worship angels. But we're commanded to worship Jesus over and over Our divine human Savior is the proper object of faith, hope, and love. And religion without this emphasis, my friends, cannot be Christianity. It cannot be. But this one whom we call Savior, Redeemer, He is a man. He isn't in Matthew called son of Adam. But if you look over in Luke, in chapter 4, we find in verse 38 that he's spoken of as the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Jesus, our Messiah. Messiah. Apart from that, this entire chapter in Matthew chapter 1 is a history of his true and very manhood. True and very manhood. He is of the same root as you and I are. Of the same stock. The first man Adam, created by God. The son of Adam, the son of God. He is bone of our bone and He is flesh of our flesh. Because according to Romans chapter 8, verse 3, God has done what the law weakened by the flesh... He has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And everything that is truly, and you need to underscore the word that I'm using there, truly. And everything that is truly human, He is one of us. He knew no sin. He was that according to the King James, and I love that, instead of, The ESV saying being called holy. The King James says, He was that 
holy thing which is to be born of Mary. Luke one thirty five. He was, I would say, all the more human than you and I are human because of the absence of sin. Because, my friends, sin is not an original part of our nature. He is truly man and very man. And so we ask with Mary, how in the world, how shall this be? How can this be? And we have the answer given to us from God through a messenger, an angel. Um, the, the answer is given from heaven in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1, verse 35. And we've probably all been reading this to our families during this Christmas season. <clears throat> Luke one thirty five, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. That holy thing born of you will be the Son of God. And in verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And our shorter catechisms and our our confession of faith agree with this. When we're asking question 22 and 21 and 22, who is the Redeemer of God's elect? The only Redeemer of God's elect is the response. The only Redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the eternal Son of God, became man, and so was and is God and man in two distinct natures, One person forever. How can this be? The next question is. I love the way the Shorter Catechism does that. How can this be? How did Jesus, being the eternal Son of God, become man? And the answer is, Jesus, being the Son of God, became man by taking to Himself, listen, a true body and a reasonable soul. A true body. A real body and a reasonable soul and was by the power of the Holy Spirit conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary and born of her yet without sin. What a wonderful thing. Heaven comes down. Heaven comes down to the plight of man. As a man then. And he is. As a man then, he sympathizes. As a man, he pities. As a man, he loves. As a man, he loves his neighbor as himself and fulfilled, thus doing the royal law of love. He fulfilled it. And he's been given to us as not only our Redeemer, we see Him and we love Him the more when we have the revelation of Him as our Redeemer, but we also see Him as our example, do we not? And we should love Him the more, the more because He is our example, because of all the things that He had to go through in order to be us, be our example, to show us the way. 
to show us what our mind should be. Paul picks that up in Philippians chapter 2. It's a wonderful summary of the gospel in, in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2. I've been studying the person and the work of Christ for months now, and I just landed here and my heart just rejoices in, in these words. <clears throat> We're told in verse 5 there, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, or which was also in Christ Jesus. This is your example. Have this mind in yourself, who though, verse 6, he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. I like the King James better. He took to himself, made himself of no reputation. I don't like the New American Standard, which says he emptied himself. It's kind of goes too far, I think, but I'm not dealing with that right now. He is our example. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant, a bond servant, if you will, a slave to the will of God, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What a glorious example we have by given to us by our gracious Redeemer for us to follow. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And so, as a man, He was born. As a man, He lived and He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. According to Luke chapter 2 verse 52. And so he was a true, his was a true human body, a true human soul. And thus he lived a truly human life and he died a true human death. Pain of a human death. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He got tired. He needed to rest. He needed to sleep. And he would wake up from sleep just like any other human being would wake up from sleep. Uh, can I have another five minutes? A stretch. I've got a day to face. He had to face the day just like you and I have to face the day. His words were human words. And they came out of a human heart. Spoken, if you will, with human Lips. His looks, his tones, inflections, all of those were human, as were his tears. Human tears. He was man all over, through and through. Truly man, very man, yet. Sinless. Sinless. He lived in a man's world, but he didn't partake of the world's evil. The pride of the eye, the love of the world, the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, and such things like that. He didn't partake of that. In every word, 
every word He spoke and in every step He took, He was man all over. Through and through. Speaking with His fellow man and speaking with His Father in heaven. He was man. True man. True God. Very man. And very God. Completely man. The distinction between the two natures must never be confused. And he's a Jew. A Jew. God's purpose is seen concerning man by his election and his selection. He selects men, places, and nations. Church history records the electing and the selecting will of a sovereign God. There are elect nations, elect lands, as well as elect souls. Israel, for instance, was God's elect nation of old. Canaan was His elect land. Jerusalem was His elect city. And Zion was His elect hill. He selected those. He elected those. And the nation of Israel begins with an individual election. A selection of a man by the name of Abraham. A nation was to spring from him. The nation was to be the center of God's worship and teachings. The race was to be the race with which the Godhead was to be connected to the earth, if you will. Messiah was to be, as we read in Matthew 1, the son of Abraham. And so it was. So it was. The seed of Abraham was that portion of the seed of woman from which Messiah came, which was promised in Genesis 3.15. Jesus was a Jew, a son of Abraham, a descendant of that race by whom God has committed His oracles and His covenant. He was of them. The book of the generation or the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham. But he's more than just the son of Abraham. He's the son of a king. He is a king of David's seed. The royal selected family. And it is the family to which the crown of Israel belongs forever. Forever. Now, God first, in His dealings with man, in His purpose, He first narrows the the circle of humanity to Abraham and to his race. I almost preached to you all this morning the Gospel as it is in the Old Testament. You ever think about when you uh, are reading and I ask you, turn to the first gospel. Where would you go? Matthew, right? Sure, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I want you to realize the Old Testament is full of good news. Over and over and over and over, there is good news 
in God selecting and electing things for His purpose to the glory of His name and for the good of mankind. Good news. Where does it start? Genesis 3.15. Right? The proto-evangel. I don't want to rehearse it all, but then it goes to Abraham and several promises are made to Abraham. The promises realized not in his firstborn Ishmael, but in the second one, Isaac, Sarah's seed. It has to be. Good news right there. And good news, and you know, the firstborn is usually, maybe I will preach it, the firstborn, the firstborn is usually the recipient of the blessings of the patriarch, right? And so Abraham automatically thinks that Ishmael should be the recipient of all the blessings that were going to come from him. But God says, no, it's not going to be him. It's going to be Isaac. And guess what? From Isaac, we got some good news coming. Is it the firstborn that is the recipient of the blessings of the patriarch? No, it was not. (laughs) It was Jacob, the old supplanter, the heel grabber, who had a hold of Esau's heel, who was by conniving, but in the providence of God it works out. He is the one who becomes the recipient of the blessings of the patriarch Isaac. And you get to the end of Genesis and you find, okay, here's blessings, there's all kinds of promises made and all of that. And then you got, and this is where we're going with David, that's why I'm going this far. Look in in Genesis chapter 49. Genesis 49. Jacob is about to die. And he's got all these sons. And he calls them to his bedside as he worships on his staff. And he pronounces the blessings are about to come upon the firstborn, everybody would think, right? Yeah. But God has a different plan. And you can just almost sense the drama that is there, the Hope that is there. Oh yeah, we're fixing the blessings. Oh, Reuben's fixing to get blessed beyond measure. And so, in verse 1, Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in the days to come. Assemble and listen, verse 2, O sons of of Jacob. Listen to Israel your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn. By might and the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. Now, Reuben's not reading this like you and I are, so I'm feel sure that his chest begins to swell. Preeminent in dignity, preeminent in power, it's fixing to happen, boys, but I'm sorry to say you're unstable as water. That's pretty unstable, isn't it? You shall not. How preeminence. And then he gives the reasons why. And then he, what about the other two? Simon and Levi, the brothers. They are men of violence. Men of sword. And, then, and his soul is not going to come into their counsel. Or oh my glory be not joined to their company. This doesn't sound good for the kids. And then he goes to Judah. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. 
Judah is a lion's club. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as a lioness who dares rouse him. And the scepter, this is what we're looking for, shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. And so God first narrows narrows the circle of humanity to Abraham, then down to Jacob, then it comes to, He limits it to the tribe of Judah, and from that tribe He selects David's family. And not the firstborn of that family. Not the big guys, but the little shepherd boy. Messiah came not only as a son of Judah, but He came as a son of David. He came as David's son and David's Lord. And He is heir of Israel's crown. And listen to me, also to the throne of the world. Jesus of Bethlehem. Jesus of Nazareth. He is our King. Son of David. As well as son of Abraham. And so we find in this chapter that we're looking at, Others are also interested besides Israel. Angels are interested in what's going on. We've just celebrated, talked about, read scriptures together, prayed together with our family as we, before we gave gifts and read the story about the wondrous birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see not only was Israel interested But angels also are interested. Through Gabriel, the announcement is made in Luke 1.26. Again, you have angels declaring the good news of glad tidings filled with joy to the shepherds in the field and angels singing in the heavens, peace on earth, goodwill toward men with whom God is pleased. Angels are interested in this. And you... Look also in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 10 through 12 and you find angels desire to look into these things. Things are happening that the angels are going. That's been a mystery forever going. What is this? This is a wonder beyond wonders. And we take it for granted. Look at 1 Peter 1 with me. I think it's 1 Peter 1. Yeah. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 1 through 12. No, I'm sorry, not 1 through 12, 10 through 12. There. Concerning the salvation, and salvation is of the Lord, salvation is from Messiah, salvation is from Jesus of Bethlehem, Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God that has been sent. And concerning the salvation, verse 10, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, they searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating. When He predicted the suffering, well, they should have known. He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. Things 
in which angels long to look. Gentiles are interested in this birth, this wondrous birth of Jesus. Who do you find? Rahab. You find Ruth in the genealogy, in the generations of Jesus. Gentiles have come in. They're interested. They're Messiah's ancestors. Chapter 1, verse 5. The chief of sinners. The chief of sinners are interested. For in this line in Matthew chapter 1, take trouble to read it. In this line, we find some of the worst, including David himself. And notice is made of that in Matthew 1. I think it's verse 6. We'll look back there right quick. And Jesse, the father of David, the king, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Who was Uriah? The husband of Bathsheba, whom David had killed after he committed adultery with this woman and then had a son by him and who sat in ignorance and arrogance until the prophet Nathan came to him and God opened his eyes to the word that the prophet preached to him. Read the history of Tamar and Judah. How that Tamar became pregnant. Rightfully so. Read the history of these people. And see who all is interested in this. Poor and rich. Shepherds and kings. Everything in this verse, everything in this chapter tells us and assures us that heaven and earth in every part, in every region, high and low, visible and invisible, are interested in this wondrous birth. They're all looking, wow! Visible, invisible, high, low, kings, shepherds, Gentiles, chief of sinners. These tidings, my friends, that you hear here every Sunday, these tidings that we're talking about today, these tidings that we celebrated just yesterday and the day before and the weeks passing with families, they are for all. They are to be preached to every creature under heaven. And if you want to see growth in the church, preach it to every family that you go to as God gives you opportunity. You don't have to go in like a bowling ball, but by the grace of God, share Christ. Share the wonder of this. We learn something also of God's purpose. His purpose of grace and His purpose of blessing. It is a purpose that bears upon us as individuals, as groups, and this earth that we live on. On every side. The purpose of love. God has loved the world. And God has sent His Son. For God so loved the world, John 3.16, that He gave His only begotten Son. 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, can't you see who he was? Can't you see what he's done? What the Father's done? Can't you see? And this is love, says First John. And the John says, and this is love, 4.10. Not that we've loved God. That's not love. But that God has loved us. And send His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. And then you go over just a few verses in verse 19. And we love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. Friend, you never would have. You never would have. You never could have. (laughs) Is that a word? You never could have. If he hadn't loved you first. If he hadn't sent his son. If he hadn't, because of the weakness of our flesh, sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And this wondrous thing in the manger. Eight pounds. I'm like John MacArthur. No crying he makes. I don't buy that. human. God's purpose, my friends, is to bless by a man. A human is to, a true human is to make use of for blessing this earth. Salvation comes through the Savior, and the Savior is a man. For unto us, Mark read it in Isaiah 9 this morning, I said, thank you Lord, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. How do you see him? Well, look in, look back in Luke 2 again with me. How, how, how do we see him? He's come. He's a man. And it's great. I just love it. How are you going to know this is true? Look at Luke chapter 2. Verses 10 through 14. And the angel said to them, the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, glad tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. Oh, goodness. And we've seen that in his genealogy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in the manger. What do they find? A baby. Just think about it. That holy thing which is born of you, the Son of God, a baby. Every blessing to this race and to this earth comes through this man. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, says Paul to Timothy. The man, Christ Jesus, 2.5. The son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of Adam, the child of Mary. God's purpose is to teach by man, not from the lips of angels, but from the lips of a human being. That's where our lessons come. He who was to say, learn of me, and he did say it, was one of us. In a man, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge 
were to be hidden for us. Colossians chapter 2. Look there with me. told you it was going to be a marathon. Colossians chapter 2. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge were to be hidden for us in Him. <clears throat> Verses 2 through 3 in Colossians 2. Paul's urging the people of Laodicea. He says that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, listen, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to find it? Study. Burkhoff, study Perkins, study Warfield, but study Christ. First and foremost, in Him lies your answer. And weigh everything in light of who He is, what He's done, what God has done in Him. You can use 1 Corinthians one thirty many more. God's purpose, I'm trying to shorten this up, is to also to judge by a man. We were reading about these things this morning in, in the Creed. John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, if you would please. And 25 through 29. He shall judge by a man. 22 through 23. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. And whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. And then verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here, When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself, and He has given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. It is as Son of Man that He sits upon the throne of His glory. Matthew 25.31 It is as the Son of Man that He sits upon the throne of His glory. 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. And then the King will say to those on His right, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. And He goes on. My friends, it is a Son of Man that He sets upon the throne of His glory that He judges. And I suggest to you that if you haven't yet, you would do well to kiss the Son. 
Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Verses 10 through 12. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoicing, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and you perish in the way. For His wrath is quickly kindled, and blessed are all those who take refuge in Him. And God's purpose is to rule by this man. The King, the man Christ Jesus, is the heir, as we said, of the throne of David. But He is also possessor of the throne of heaven. The throne of the universe. Human hands. Human hands hold the scepter of the universe. (laughs) The sovereign stick. And God's purpose is to link heaven and earth together by man. In the man Christ Jesus, reconciliation takes place between them. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. By this man, the nearness is to be maintained. Not only is it to be brought, but it will be maintained The whole chapter of Ephesians 2 needs to be read in conjunction with what I'm about to read right now. But in verse 13, Paul speaking to those who were far off, who were strangers to the covenant of Israel, without hope because they were in the world without God. Strangers to the covenant of of a promise. But now these words are said, but now you who were far off have been brought near. By the blood of Christ. He is the bridge. He is the ladder. He is the chain which links together the heavenly and the earthly. Glad tidings. Good news of great joy. For unto you a son is born. A child is born. To you a son is given. The woman's seed has come. He has come as a Savior from the hands of our great enemy and our great deliverer from darkness. Glad tidings. Glad tidings of great joy. Jesus, the Son of Mary, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham, the Son of Adam, the Son of God, is our Savior, our prophet, our priest, and our King. Oh, my friends, has not God loved us? Rejoice. Rejoice. You understand why Paul says, Rejoice. And again I say unto you, Rejoice. Are you rejoicing in Him this day? There's a... I'll close with this. I've gone ten minutes over, but bear with me just a second. 292, if you want to read it with me. Two ninety two. 
We're not going to sing it. We're going to read it. No. Uh, let me see. I don't think that, that must not be it. 219. I'm sorry. 219. All praise to Thee, eternal Lord, clothed in a garb of flesh and blood, choosing a manger for Thy throne, while worlds on worlds are Thine alone. Once did the skies before Thee bow, a virgin's arm contain Thee now. Angels who did in Thee rejoice, now listen for Thine infant voice. A little child, thou art our guest, that weary ones in thee may rest. Forlorn and lowly is thy birth, that we may rise to heaven from earth. Thou comest in the darksome night to make us children of the light, to make us in the realms divine like thine own angels round thee shine. All this for us, all this for us thy love hath done. By this to thee our love is one. <laughs> this we tune our cheerful lays and shout our thanks in ceaseless praise. Can somebody please say amen? Your closing hymn will be 303. As Mark comes, Father, I thank you for this time that we've had in your word. For the joys to be able to gather around, the joys that are ours, to be able to gather around your throne. We shout and our hearts burst with gratitude, gratefulness. Words do not suffice, but you know our hearts. What part of it, if there's any lurking something in our hearts that, not, that isn't yours, take it this day and make it yours. Have our total love, our total strength, our total mind. It is our prayer that they may be yours. In Jesus' name, amen.